Yes, it's Monday, and by now we all know what that means. I'm going to talk to you about the paranormal ghosts and everything that goes bump in the night. So, how are we all doing? I hope you're all doing fantastically well, as is the podcaster's mantra, but I do genuinely mean it, unlike everyone else. No, I'm sure they mean it too. Anyway, what are we going to do today? We're going to talk about ghosts. We're going to finish Chris's story, um, his full diarised event of a haunted house from his paranormal group. And we're going to do a film review. I watched a great film. I thought it was great anyway. A little bit cliche, but we'll go into that in a bit. And we're not going to have a Reddit corner. Becca tried her best to send me some files to do a Reddit corner today while she's in Saudi Arabia. And nothing come through. I don't know what the technology issue is, but she sent like three audio files and they're all silent. Is it the paranormal? Maybe. Is it more to do with technology between countries? More than likely. So we won't be having a Reddit Corner again this week. But she does return on Friday, so we will be having one next week. Hurrah! I know what you're saying, though. What are you going to put in its place? I'm not sure yet, but probably a little bit of Patreon again. Just so we can still hear her dulcet tones discussing the paranormal in some way, shape or form. Anyway, before we kick into today's show proper, let me give you a bit of an update on The Neighbours Cat because a lot of people have been asking. She went to the vet on Saturday, not Yvette Fielding, because we don't know her. And also, I'm not sure if Yvette Fielding is any good with animals. She went to the vet on Saturday, because she had a bald spot above her eye, and then she started to get another one above the other eye. And she's had ringworm before, which is just a fungal infection. It's not like a parasite thing. Anyway, we took her. I say we. I took her. And I felt that guilty because she was sat very perfectly still on the windowsill, just like, la, la, la. And I picked her up and she was like, oh, am I getting a hug? And next thing she's in a crate and she's like, what the living F? And I was like, I'm so sorry. And then I took her to the vet. She meowed and yowled all the way to the vet. Then she was frightened as a little mouse and let the vet do everything she wanted. The vet said she was perfect and I completely agree. Although the vet did say she's never heard a cat's heart pound so fast. She was like the poor little thing. And then get onto this. This wasn't right, I didn't think. But I suppose it is. She said, I've got to pluck hairs and send them off to somewhere. And then they grow in a culture. And if they come back with a certain thing, it means ringworm. And if not, you're fine. Blah, blah, blah. But I've got to pluck some hairs from both sites. So both things above her eyes. And I was like, well, that's going to hurt her. She didn't flinch. Right. But then the vet went, because she's being so good. I'll take a few more. She went, she's getting punished for being good, basically. I raged. I didn't. I went, okay. And then when we got home, I showered her with dreamies and cat treats and hugs. So she's okay. In the long and short of it. She still thinks that Beck is dead. Definitely. So she's going to get the shock of her life when she walks back through the door. It'll be like a biblical story when Becca walks through that door. The cat will no doubt faint in shock, I think. Anyway, let's move on to more paranormal things, shall we? Now, first and foremost, let's say a big thank you to our wonderful Patreons who keep the show alive. Now, when you sign up to Patreon, not only do you get I singing your name as a thank you, yes, you do, you also get exclusive access to do, to do, to do what you want, to two additional podcasts each and every week. Yes, eight a month. What? Yes, you do. The first one each midweek or towards the end of the week is a ramble where I basically drink a lot of coffee and talk about what's on my mind. For about 30 minutes and I try to make you laugh and sometimes fail to make you laugh 
And then on a Sunday, we do a paranormal Patreon proper, or Triple P, as I like to call it, and we look at something spooky for half an hour. Yes, we do. So you get all that. And there's about, Christ, there's about 200-odd episodes. Sorry for the blasphemy, but there's about 200-plus episodes over on Patreon for you to binge, if you're so inclined. All you need to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. And when you do, as I say, I sing your name out also as a thank you, just like I'm about to do now. The guitar is well and truly out, and we have four wonderful new Patreons to say thank you to this week. We have Tina Castry, Claire Thompson, Janique, and Keith Dale. And this song is for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, Tina Castry, Claire Thompson, Janique, and Keith Dale. You've signed up to Patron. Hooray! Oh, Tina Castry and Claire Thompson, Janik and Keith Dale. You've signed up to Patron and you've made my day. I really, I did end it on a seventh, but I really need to work on my falsettos. They are getting the better of me, and that cannot happen much longer. No siree. Anyway, thank you, you four wonderful new Patreons. If you'd like to join our Patreon team, head over to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. But right now, we need to do a paranormal review, where I review the paranormal so you don't have to review it for yourself because it makes no bloody sense. Yes, it's time to do a paranormal review, and this week we're going to look at a film, because whilst Becca's been away, the mouse will watch films. And I've watched a film recently called Eerie, and it's on Netflix. Now, it is a Filipino film, and it is subtitled, and I like that. I, I think there's the option to dub it to American or to English. I say English, it's always an American accent, isn't it? But I don't like that because, you one, things can get a bit lost in translation and they're definitely lost in terms of drama. I've yet to hear a really good overdubbed thing. You know, somebody gets shot and they go, oh my, I've been shot. Where if you listen to the actual audio, it's like, ah! So listen to the real audio. Now, it's set, as most really good spooky things are, in a convent, yes it is, in the Philippines. And in this convent, it's just an all-girls con. Are, are, are all convents just all-girls? I think so, because it's like a nunnery, isn't it? Anyway, so it's set in a convent, and it's pretty damn terrifying because this is not a spoiler. I know I'm really bad for giving spoilers out, but this is not a spoiler, OK? I guarantee you it's not a spoiler. But the legend in the school is that one of the young girls who was at the convent killed herself in one of the bathroom stalls. And then it spirals from there, really. And there's, like, a psychiatrist who's a resident there, and she looks after the girls and all this carry on. All in all, it's a good thing to watch. If you've got nothing else on and, you know, and you just want to watch something, put it on. It's a good scare. It'll waste an hour and a half of your time, and you'll get some paranormal content. So for me, it's two thumbs up because I like... What, what could, could a kind of... I'm trying to think what I could compare it to. 
So it's not amazing. It's not like The Exorcist. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? It's not like turn off the lights. You're gonna have your, your mind blown. Your mind will not be blown, but you will be scared on occasion. And it's generally quite good. And because you have to read the subtitles, you kind of have to pay attention. And I'm surprised I got through it because normally, genuinely, if I read anything more than a paragraph, I'm asleep. It must be some weird problem that I've got. I can't read. I mean, <laughs> hold on. Let me just clarify that. I can read, I am literate, but if I, like, read a page, I'm like, oh, right to sleep. Don't know where it is. But I managed to get through this because the film was so good, it was kind of scary, jumpy in parts, and, as I say, based in a spooky convent, what more do you need? So there you go. If you want a, my recommendation to waste a bit of time when you think, what should I watch? Stick on Eerie on Netflix. Two thumbs up. Not to the sky, but two thumbs up. Yes, okay, it's my favourite time of the week now where we get to listen to somebody's true paranormal experience. Now, this is part two of Chris's investigation into a house in Riddlesden. Riddlesden. Can just about say that. So if you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you go back to last week's show and listen to part one of the investigation. If you recall, they went to a lady's house. She thought she was having paranormal phenomena. They got out the Ouija board made contact with a few spirits, who it turns out were rather angry that there were some land disturbances going on. So this is part two, the return to Riddleston. As far as the team knew, Rita had been helped by our investigation. The spirit of Charles had agreed to stay out happily in the garden now that Rita had brought geraniums in his memory. When Rita rang to say there'd been more damage done and it had been a more dangerous occurrence, it had us scratching our heads, to be honest. All we could do really, no matter how well we felt we'd wrapped up the house, was to go again, and this time throw all we could, equipment-wise, at it, so that we felt we could walk away happily knowing we were right. I say this with respect, but some of the evidence of damage was a matter of debate. The new evidence of scratches on furniture and so on was topped by the claim that an undercovered strip light had shattered in the kitchen and frightened the life out of Rita. There was a blackening on one end of the light's holding, and it wobbled as it hung loose. Rita said that the light had not been switched on when it exploded. I have to say I wondered if there was a natural fault at play here, but couldn't think of it. Jill couldn't make this visit, but Sue was able to come to the address for the first time. So it was Sue... Kevin, Sai, and myself, who once again entered the property. And while Sue cast her eye over the original evidence with Rita, the rest of us set up our equipment. We would hold our seance in the dining room as before, but this time we added a laptop in the lounge, which had the live feed from the kitchen, and the viewing angle was aimed predominantly at the light-breaking area. I set up voice recorders upstairs, and even put a small camera on a tripod in the attic which, now I mention it, I'm still to look at. The first pre-visit had found the house on the whole to be very low on natural electronic readings on the meters, but the first investigation had seen activity register on them during communication. I actually ran my meters around the various ornaments whilst trying to find a completely zero reading area for them to sit. I struggled for a while to find a total quiet zone, and in the end put my meter back in the same place as it was during investigation one. 
while the others discussed already capturing a light anomaly in the kitchen on the laptop camera, notably in the area of the broken light. I stood and used my pendulum to ask how many spirits were present currently. It said two. This made sense because there had been three until we sorted Charles out on our last visit. We asked Rita to keep her finger off the glass to A, rule out her subconscious interference and B, see if we got any different type of communication without her energy. The meters read one milligauss as we begin protection, which is the normal level you'd expect. The temperature was 20 degrees Celsius. Instantly, the meter fires up to three milligauss for 20 seconds or so. After that, throughout protection, the gauss crackles away around the 1.5 mark and boosts again to three milligauss towards the end until protection is complete. It then drops to two milligauss as I explain all the equipment which is now set up. I make three pretty lousy attempts at using the singing bowl in the hope of doing an EVP session, but this soon goes out of the window anyway. I just get to ask for a loud shout from any spirits to hear up on the dictaphone, but can now report I caught nothing other than two clicks on the gauss meter. We have two torches set up around the board with us, which are not illuminated as yet. Sign knocked on the table in the hope of getting a reaction back, but nothing was heard. Sai whistled his set pattern, and I was very excited when I discovered a possible reply on a recording device days later. But when I pieced it all together, I'd caught Sai himself doing the first one. Damn. Rita says to us that she has an inkling that the spirit bothering her is a foreigner, and he's not a nice guy. I jump in and ask, and where are you getting that from, though? Rita says, Well, the face in the paintwork by the kitchen sink. I groan internally as I think about matrixing and pareidolia in all its forms. Rita continues, And it looked like an Arab or a Tunisian or somebody of that ilk. I think he comes and goes. Rita tells us of her gardener and how both his cars broke down from her drive when he'd been round. When the minister came to bless the house before we got involved... His car wouldn't start either. She tells us that the minister's wife's car had also broken down at the very same time as he arrived home via the AA. The list of motor-related problems becomes tenuous, but they also seem to be a remote possibility from a certain point of view. To remain as open-minded as I could, I asked out, Is there a spirit here who has anything to do with the gardener? No response. Sai asks, did you have a problem with the holy minister? The gauss clicks away here and there. He carries on. I've got a temperature device here. Can you lower the temperature where that red dot is? 20.4, 20.2. More, please. Come on, a significant amount. Nothing. I start to ask out for glass movement on the Ouija board. Sai believes he may have seen a shadow pass by the door to the hallway. Chris says... Can the spirit who saw our white shield of protection come forward, please? And Rita asks, is Charles there? There's no answer. I got your geraniums, she says. Sai asks Sue to ask out because on our last visit, Jill was the person who got a response. Some spirits seem to react differently for different genders. As we wait, I tell the team that I've already done a dowsing with the pendulum and was told that there was only two spirits present now. The gauss meter suddenly creeps into life with a crackle of three milligauss. 
and it's constant. I suggest we link hands again, as we did for protection to harness the spirit energy. There's a sense of being surrounded by an energy, and we can clearly hear it on the meter. Chris asks, is it building to do something? We tell the cause of the noise all the various ways at its disposal to show its presence. After maybe six minutes, the gauss dies out. Sai does some pendulum work now and comes up with the same amount of spirits. The gauss crackles once again. We all have our fingers on the glass now and Rita joins too. Chris says, please put your energy into this glass and the glass finally moves. Sai mutters, that's strong. Chris asks, can you identify yourself, please? It spells out, I am Harold. Lovely to talk to you again. This is Rita's father, apparently. M-A-D, mad. Can you give us a key word as to what you're mad about? Sai reports a breeze going past him. The glass answers back. L-A-N-D. Land. The gauss is crackling all the time again as the glass circles and circles, spinning and spinning, plus twisting on the spot. We check that this is genuinely who it claims to be, so Sai asks, Harold, who was Charles? M-A-N. Man. Chris says, yeah, a man from where? The glass spells out neighbour. The glass takes breaks to spin and spin, which gives the spirit more energy to communicate. We work out that Harold seems to be mad about the bother surrounding the land sale, where his daughter is concerned. Sue asks, Are you glad that Rita sold the land? Did she do the right thing? Yes, says the board. Have you heard Rita say she may sell up? Yes. Are you happy about that? No. Sai and Kevin report hearing a voice, but I catch nothing upon review. That doesn't mean there wasn't one actually there, though. Sue asks, are you going to be around to protect Rita? Yes. Is there actually damage being done in this house? Yes. Sai says, can I ask a question? No response. Sai continues, do you want Sue to ask the questions? Yes. Sai says, Sue, can you ask if all the damage is down to the spirit? A strong and fast no. Sue then asks, is it down to normal wear and tear, but some of it is down to the spirit? Yes. Should Rita put this new kitchen in? Yes. Is there some damage being done to the bricks in the fireplace? No. Sue then says she didn't think it was spirit upon seeing that damage for the first time. Is there damage being done to the wardrobe in the hallway? Yes. Who did it, please? M. O. Sai then hears a voice again. Next letter, please. S. But then the spirit says it made a mistake and ends up spelling mother. Sue asks, whose mother? The glass spells Rita's. At one point, only Sai and I have our fingers on the glass and it continues to move strongly. Sai and I even look away from the glass as it spells to take away our possible influence. Chris says, feel the power of that glass. Sai says, I tried to stop the glass myself just then to feel the pressure, 
Can you spell Rita's mother's name, please? We start to feel a possibility that a different spirit is now at the board. The glass is very strong now, to the point of being unnerving if you were inexperienced. I take a moment to enjoy the thought that I've worked in this team for approaching three years, and so I can conclude that this isn't the team pushing the glass. It feels good to have that security gained over countless hours. I watch as the glass darts fiercely around one side of the Ouija board, as if it's trying to scare us. Well, it's got the wrong people. The glass doesn't respond to our questions for a while, culminating in it racing so fast that Sai's finger comes off, leaving only mine on it. The glass continues moving for long enough for me to be doubly sure that I am following it rather than leading it. Although the glass has now come to a rest, we feel this isn't Harold. We ask out afresh for the strongest spirit in the room to move the glass. Whoosh, off it goes in a crazy pattern. Harold's movement had a somewhat gentle movement. This is much different. The glass draws a line to left to right and back right to left, but on its way it oscillates as well, making it a bizarre thing to watch at speed. Sue says, this isn't Harold, is it? So if this isn't Harold, then it's the other mystery one. The glass shoots to goodbye. After our discussion, we determined that while we were talking to Harold, the stronger spirit took over the glass. Sai says, Rita, we realise now that your dad is around protecting you, but isn't strong enough. I then suggest we take a firmer approach with the spirit, as we've sometimes found this to be a way forward. But then again, we've also been told to F off before now. The team lay out their opinions about what's going on here, and Rita puts forward her corner. The land which was sold keeps coming up and everything seems to return back to that as the start of the recent activity. There is talk of us going onto that land and using the board on there later, maybe. The answer of Mother given to the question, who is doing the damage, is also debated, and none of us buy that as a truthful answer. Was this when the other spirit interrupted? Rita then pipes up. My mother killed herself in this room. Rita continues, In fact, three of my family have died in three different rooms here. Chris asks, But why would they be the one tormenting you? The investigation centres in no small part around the land which Rita relinquished ownership of. The Gauss is notably quiet. To be fair to Rita... She said that the land was central on our first pre-investigation visit. Sai says, OK, I'd like the spirit who went to goodbye to return to the table, please. There is movement instantly. OK, well, the table's yours now. Show us what you can do. The glass fires around the Ouija board. Sai asks, are you a man? Yes. Are you a member of Rita's family? No. Can you see Harold? Yes. Does Harold try and tell you what to do? Yes. Do you like Harold? No. Okay, so we've got conflict here. Rita says, ask if he's a foreigner. Sai says, can I ask what nationality you are, sir? To my surprise, it spells out Egypt. Chris says to Rita, I think I may owe you an apology about the face in your kitchen. 
the glass continues to roam wildly. Sai says firmly, stop the glass in the middle now. Chris says, did you create a face in the household? Yes. Okay, where did you put it? It spells out kitchen. Sai asks, did you do something in the kitchen recently? It spells out the word light. What did you do to the wardrobe? It spells out knife. Chris asks, well, what is your message? What is the point? It spells out funny. Sai says, did you like it when the minister came? No reply. Did you like the holy man? It spells out infidel. Chris asks, and what is your faith, sir? It spells out Islam. A big twist again and it changes direction. Wow, that was good. Can we just ask you to demonstrate again with that energy? The glass shoots from left to right repeatedly. We reduce our finger pressure as much as possible without taking skin off to see it still move. The glass turns 360 degrees and all our fingers twist over each other. Sai gets an electric shock from the glass which causes him some discomfort. As we say this out loud, I feel a pinprick of static shoot up into my finger. Kevin's arm hair stands on end, which is static-based too. Sai asks, what can we call you? It spells out, I am. There's then a click on the gauss meter, and then nothing. The glass feels ordinary and weighty. The gauss is silent. Maybe he's gone to ask permission or is deciding whether to tell us. Sai says, come back to the glass, please. Then there's movement again. So what can we call you? It spells out, Fakir. Chris asks, Rita, have you ever been to Egypt? She replies, no, but I've always had a fascination with the place. Sai asks, do you have an Egyptian object in the house? Rita is quiet as she thinks. Chris says, is there anything someone may have brought back from that way? Rita is still thinking and the glass is motionless. The reason we ask is due to objects often having attachments. The easiest way for me to explain what this is about is to guide you to a program called The Haunted Collector, which you can find on YouTube. Sai says, I don't think he likes this conversation. No. Chris says, can you confirm that you came with an object? Can you give us a clue at all? The glass doesn't answer. It just continues to gather energy in circular motions. Chris asks Rita, was your dad posted in Egypt? Rita replies, no, Italy. Rita then asks, can you spell the object, please? Sue goes and looks at various ornaments around the house, and because of her various visits to Egypt, feels confident that she may identify an object of obvious note, but none is found. Chris asks, how did the object get into the house? It spells out, funny. Sue says, you find it funny, don't you? Rita, you need to get this object out of your house if we can find it. I explain already that I've ran meters over the many ornaments in the room and picked up zero electromagnetic signatures. Sai asks, which room is it in? Oh, he won't tell us anyway, will he? Chris says, we could always ask Rita's dad. Rita says, it's not an ornament of a cat, is it? 
Rita has many cat-related ornaments, but none seem to jump out as the one. We also know it would be highly unlikely the spirit would say what he was attached to, as we would obviously try and take it out. Sai tries a different route. Are you stuck, my friend? Not friend. The gauche starts to click away again. Sai says, you're a bit of a coward picking on ladies, aren't you? It spells out funny. Sai says, no, it's not funny. You should have a bit of self-respect. Chris asks, I wonder if there's something in the attic. Strangely, we did have a gauss hit during the pre-investigation on my handheld device in the attic. Who knows what's up there? Rita had never even been. But as Sai pointed out, Rita's family had lived there for 65 years so far, and so this object would have had to have been up there for ages if, for example, it had been left from a previous tenant. Sai says, there has to be a catalyst for this to start happening now. Rita jumps in, yes, it started when I sold the land. Sai asks, do you have any connection with the land? No. Then how come they just started this? They did power. Sue asks, who are they? Harold. Charles. Open speculation starts between us. Sai seems to have the best punt. So Charles enters the property after his hut was demolished initially and the disturbance of the land. Harold pipes up in Rita's defence and Fakir, who until now is laying dormant, sees these two displaying a use of their energies and thinks, I'll have a piece of that too. Sue asks, how long have you been here? Nine. Rita says, nine months? A slow glass movement builds into a fast-paced one. Very, very forceful. Sai asks, how many years have you been here? Fourteen. But how many years have you been active? Zero. How many months? Ten. Sue says, Rita, is that about right? When did you sell your land? Rita says, September, about ten months ago. Sai forcefully asks, so are you attached to an object? Answer me. Is it an old object? Is it an object Rita owns? How many years has this object been in the house? Fourteen. Is it furniture? Chris says, I'm not being funny, but it could be something buried in the garden, which has since been disturbed. Rita says, it's not that Egyptian cat, is it? This is a strange thing to say. I worry that Rita has been subliminally influenced by earlier suggestions which she's remembered as her own. Rita thought long and hard about whether she had any object, cat or otherwise, which may have come from Egypt. We discuss things further. Chris says, what can we do to stop this activity? Sai asks, we need you to stop. Will you stop? No. What if we brought in an imam? Absolute quiet. Imam, noun, the person who leads prayers in a mosque. A title of various Muslim leaders, especially one succeeding Muhammad as leader of the Shiite Islam. Sai says, that shocked you, didn't it? There's silence. He might treat you like a jinn. As we learnt in the recent article, Exorcism is Islam, Muslims believe that evil jinn can sometimes possess human beings as Christians believe demons can possess people. 
there are a few beliefs surrounding getting rid of gins, but the most commonly heard is trapping it in a bottle and burying it under running water. Sai asks, are you a gin? He could put you in a bottle. The glass moves on and off, no, again and again. No, 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 no. Chris says, we could always come to some kind of compromise. The glass slides. Sai says, okay, what compromise? Chris says, oh, I actually hadn't thought that far ahead. Fakir, give us a word which we can work around. The glass roams the board. Chris says, Fakir, we don't want this to end badly for you. We still respect you. The board spells out, wood. Chris says, what about wood? The board spells out, knife. Compromise, wood, knife? Sai asks, is it a real wooden knife you've got? No. Is it one made of energy? Yes. Chris says, would you like us to move you somewhere else? Maybe we can move you somewhere you'd prefer. Chris continues, are you stuck here? Yes. Sai says, he won't trust us to move him. There's silence. Then slowly the glass drifts again. Sue asks, were you ever in Egypt? The board spells out, Green Man. Once again, the words Green Man come out at a different location and by a different spirit, but end up referring to Sai. This seems to tie in with the spirit wanting to be moved or crossed over, as we call it. We don't really feel we know what we are doing, but the spirits themselves tell us what we do is correct. Rita, not knowing why we are all so intrigued by the words Green Man, asks... Can you spell out the name of the green man? The glass fires off the board at Sai's end. The glass roams the board again, and seeing Sai's discomfort at the link again, I say, I'm even thinking of suggesting we let him attach to one of us, just to let him get out of here. Once again, the glass flies off the table at Sai. Sue says, you've got to do something, Sai. Sai says, put your fingers on the glass, everybody. Do you know I've done something before that's helped other spirits? Yes. You have to wholeheartedly trust me. Do you understand me? Yes. Sai calms Fakir and ends up asking him to look around where he is. Do you see anything? The board spells out light. This is usually how it goes. With none of us sensitives, we do this blind in a way, but it always works so far. Sai says... Okay, look at the light. Go towards the light. No. But you said you trusted me. Is there anyone you know in the light? Yes. Is there anyone you recognise, Fakir? Wife. Chris says, good work. Sai continues. Now you may not trust me, but you'll trust her. Do you trust her? Yes. What is she doing? Hand. Is she holding out her hand? Yes. You need to grasp it, my friend. Are you a little scared? Yes. Don't be. Grasp that hand and walk forward into the light. The glass stops dead and quietness fills the room. Sai asks, Fakir, are you still here now? Nothing. Are you here? Nothing. If you're here, answer me now. No gauss movement and no glass movement. We have to ask the spirit to confirm from their side. 
So, Harold, please come back to the table. From the side of the room where none of us are, two hours and two minutes in, we hear a floorboard creak. Chris and Sai say, what was that? I can hear it on my dictaphone headphones if I turn it up. Sai asks, Harold, how many spirits are there now? One. Harold, you need to look after Rita. If for any reason you need us to come back here, then please come to our board at another location. Harold moves to goodbye, and we close protection with the belief that things will now be quiet. While I had mostly doubts at the start, I learnt a valuable lesson overall. Firstly, the client has a better idea at times of what is there than we do, and although matrixing and pareidolia is widespread and common, sometimes there's no smoke without fire. And that concludes Chris's full detailed investigation about the haunted house in Riddlesden. Now, Chris has actually got a book out. He's just brought it out. It's on Amazon. You can go and check it out right now. It's called Into the Darkness, Becoming a Ghost Hunter by Chris Whitehouse. And you can get that in Kindle and in paperback. So go and check it out right now. Thank you so much, Chris. It's very interesting to get such a long and detailed description. And I hope I've done it justice. It's quite hard to read out verbatim um, a Ouija board session when it's lots and stop, lots of stopping and starting. You're like, Jeff, how are you doing? Steve, I'm okay. The board is, you know what I mean? But hopefully I conveyed what went on at the house there in Riddlesden. And before we go to our little snippet of Patreon to feature some Becker in today's episode, I've had an email from Keith which I've managed to find. Thank you, Keith, for getting in touch via Instagram. Um, and it's entitled Synchronicity Involving You, Me. It's going very well, thank you. First and foremost, I'm a patron of yours on your Dark Paranormal podcast, and I love it. I came across your channel around the June of this year and binged everything and became a Patreon. I'm up to season seven, episode eight, and I've since been listening to your We Need to Talk About Ghost podcast, which I this evening joined as a Patreon member too. Thank you very much for all that, Chris. Now, this strange little synchronicity happened this evening, Monday the 21st of November, 22, regarding yourself, lol. Basically, I'd listened to your We Need to Talk About Ghosts, in brackets, a paranormal team's investigation, on the way to work. I work nights and leave around 4.30pm. So, at the end, there's the bit with Becca where you're talking about zeitgeist regarding the religion bit. Now, at 3.30pm, in brackets, I know it was this time because I checked to see how much I could watch before leaving for work. This afternoon, I put on Zeitgeist on to show my wife the religion bit. When I heard you talking about it, it was a bit of a wow moment. I looked at the time just in general in the car and it was 5.10pm. Now you'll need to stick with me here, but the other strange bit is 5.10. Look at it numerically. 5 plus 10 is 15. 1 plus 5 is 6. The other time, 3.30, 3 plus 30 is 33. 3 plus 3 is 6. Now the 6 plus 6 from both of those times is 12, but all the religion part of Zeitgeist revolves around the number 12. So this was a major wow moment for me. I'm from the UK, originally the black country, but now Derbyshire for the past 12 years. P.S. I've never listened to any podcast before yours and I'm hooked. Why, thank you, Keith. P.P.S. Myself and my wife have our own joint and individual paranormal experiences that we will endeavour to send to you. 
All the best and keep up the good work. Keith. Why, thank you, Keith. Now, I must admit, get into a bit of a pattern recognition thing there with the time. But yeah, all spooky. Definitely spooky, coincidentally, that we both watched Zeitgeist on the same day. And you know what's even weirder than this, genuinely, is that... Um, and this, you, everyone listening now will be like, this isn't weird in the slightest. But... Yesterday, Keith Instagrammed me to say, I've sent you an email about serendipity. And I said to Keith, I, have, I haven't seen it. Send me your email address and I'll route it out, which I have. Now, this morning, I went to breakfast with my dad and over breakfast told him about Zeitgeist, the documentary, and was telling him all about the religious bit at the start and genuinely didn't know what Keith's email was going to be about until then. So there you go. Another little bit of woo-woo-woo-woo-woo. Anyway, let's get out of this serendipitous black hole and let's hear a little bit of Becca's voice to lighten the mood. It's not Becca's Reddit Corner. It's just a little bit of an old Patreon just so we can remind ourselves what she sounds like before she returns all well and good next week. So I'll say goodbye for now. I'll speak to you all next week for Becca's return unless you're a Patreon in which case, I'll speak to you through the week for a ramble of my mind. In the meantime and in between time, take care of yourselves and each other. This is a little bit of me and Becca just having some general chat about the paranormal. Tatty bye. Next question is, yeah. um, what do you think's the connection between Bigfoot and UFO sightings? And do you think there's a chance Bigfoot is an alien? <laughs> what? Right, right, okay. So, Pet, which one of those do you want me to answer first? The second bit. Uh, well, you can do it all in one chat and Right, okay. So, no, I don't think Bigfoot is an alien. Because why would he live in the woods? Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought that. Yeah, yeah. Why would. Yeah, I why would an that. alien come down and live in the woods? Yeah, okay. Right, and well, they say he's you know, possibly no, an alien because of the no. how he allegedly moves. Allegedly, he can disappear. Well, no, the really amount of fucking technology they must have if they've got to air. There's yeah. no way he, like, lives in a cave. Not but, but you would. Hold on. Could you not then say why do people camp? You know, maybe aliens go, fuck off. You're telling me that they can build the that big tower in Dubai and you can fly in the air and in metal cans, but. This guy lives in a, so in a tent so in the woods. So your answer is that... Yeah, so he lives there, right, all the time. So your answer is that... Not all alien, the time. Maybe. Is that Bigfoot is an alien, like, hermit, an alien recluse <laughs> who went to all the trouble of travelling to a different planet just so he could be left the fuck alone <laughs> and, like, not have to see... And now has Bigfoot on to go, fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slight um, years you know. of travel to get in. He's pricks with a long lens camera. Yeah, so, no, I don't think Bigfoot is an alien. 